poverty in America is not what it looks like or what you would see portrayed on TV. Most of the the most the, the worst areas that suffer poverty, there are the rural areas, there are areas like Appalachia, the Mississippi Delta, etc. Unfortunately, it's amazing. As a political show, it's incumbent for me to tell you that most of these areas that are suffering from extreme poverty are, in fact, uh, areas controlled by uh, people on the right, conservatives. Uh, th- does that say something? Actually, it does. But that's not the point of the discussion. There is a professor who wrote a book uh, to sort of highlight people on what's going on in the country with re- uh, relations to poverty. I want you to check this out, and then I want to take it on the other side for one specific issue. And this issue has a lot to do with something that we spoke about even during the Clinton era and how welfare was described. Check this out. We'll take it on the other side. We have a gross national product of some $700 billion, and that uh, we spend $75 billion on armaments, weapons, that uh, you would think that uh, we spend almost $3 billion each year on dogs in the United States as American citizens, that we could be doing more for those who are poor, and particularly for our children, who uh, have nothing to do with being uh, asking to be born into this world, but uh, don't have enough to eat and no school to go to. and insufficient clothes so that they're going to lead a very difficult, unhappy life uh, through the rest of their existence. That was then-Senator Robert F. Kennedy in April 1967 on a visit to the Mississippi Delta, one of the most poverty-stricken regions of America. Today, it remains one of the most disadvantaged areas in the nation. A recent finding shows that the most poverty-stricken places in the United States are, on average, rural communities of color. That phenomenon is the focus of the new book titled The Injustice of Place, Uncovering the Legacy of Poverty in America, co-authored by Catherine Eden. She is a professor of sociology and public affairs at Princeton University, and she joins us now. Such an important topic and one that I think goes against what many people think of when they when they picture poverty. It's the idea that it's rural poverty, not urban poverty, rural poverty of color. Tell us more about it. So I spent my whole career studying poverty in cities. And uh, a couple of years ago, we partnered with the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation to sort of turn our lens from America's poorest people in cities to its poorest places. And uh, when we put together the nation's best data to identify these places, we were stunned to note that uh, virtually all of the clusters of the deepest disadvantage were in rural areas. Extraordinary. Um, Professor uh, Alexi McCammon of The Washington Post has a question. Hi, it's so good to see you. And uh, I majored in sociology in college, so uh, appreciate having you here. Um, I'd love if you could speak to the different types of infrastructure that the book touches on and how that could help. We hear a lot about physical infrastructure, of course, from folks like President Biden right now, roads, bridges, how that can help communities. But you talk in your book about social infrastructure and the need to rethink how people actually gather. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so we, uh, the, the, the most disadvantaged places in America are in central Appalachia, the Cotton Belt, the historic tobacco belt, and South Texas. And what we see there is the social infrastructure. These are places where people can build social bonds, uh, have really atrophied. They've fallen apart. Uh, the bowling alley, uh, it's not that people aren't bowling, it's that there is no bowling alley, and so on. So as the beauty shops and the barber shops have closed down, uh, people have really lost 
the ability to connect with one another. And in fact, in the book, we tie that very closely to the rise of, of deaths due to opioid overdose. Let me uh, ask this question. You, you saw the clip of Robert Kennedy singing. Yes. And uh, I was uh, 13 years old when I became youth director in New York of uh, what was uh, Dr. King's uh, organization nationally, but I was a Brooklynite. And they were working on the Poor People's Campaign. Then. Yes. And one of the things that I was struck by is they kept saying it's important what Robert Kennedy, Senator Robert Kennedy Sr. was doing, because if we keep the face of poverty black, it plays into certain elements in the Congress. And they need to understand this. It goes beyond just the black community. And we need to push out the Appalachia and others. In your study for the book, do you find that politically a lot of people don't want to deal with the fact that there are many white Americans, Texas, Appalachian, mm -hmm. that are living in poverty with no federal drive to really deal with these issues? Yeah. So as you know, uh, Kennedy visited um, one of his poverty tours was in Appalachia. He also visited uh, Central California. Um, and so both white and Hispanic poverty feature in this book. Uh, it is not only a story of race, uh, but it is interesting that when we say rural, people think white. And in many of these places, um, uh, you see that blacks and Hispanics are in the majority. I was so happy to see that Al Sharpton, Reverend Al Sharpton, uh, the, the part that he interjected. Do you think that we have to make sure, in order for poverty to be resolved in this country, do we have to put a face on poverty? And the question is, usually when we are putting a face on poverty, we often want to make that face look like a face a minority face, meaning the face of a black person, a Latina person, an indigenous person. And just because of true and politics and how it works and demagogues, that presents a problem because a, uh, those who are unempathetic, the leadership who is unempathetic would have a, would promote that poverty looks like that. It is something that we don't necessarily have to do uh, something about immediately. But when you put it, put a true face on it, what poverty really looks like in America, you can actually get a change because suddenly it's different. Uh, I remember under uh, President Clinton, uh, he was going to reform welfare. And I told a friend of mine, welfare is going to look a lot differently in the ads on TV as Clinton starts to work on cutting welfare as we know it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you know what? The face of welfare on TV changed. Suddenly, you didn't see the black mother, uh, uh, the black mother suffering and trying to, to get help. You saw a great narrative of a white uh, young woman who just can't make it and that there was wick there for her. There was, they, 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 it took on a different tone. And a friend of mine that I worked with at, at Dresser Atlas, he's, he just couldn't believe that that would really be the case until he saw it happen in real time. He saw it happen in real time and he said, wow, it's amazing. But unfortunately, when uh, Clinton signed the bill, what do you think Clinton did? He signed the bill and had two big, 
two oversized black women on each side of him as he signed the bill. Uh, it talks about stereotype. It talks about what you want to promote. While uh, one side would would want to show that Clinton wanted to show, yes, I'm a progressive, and look at who I'm putting under check: poverty, 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 folks. Poverty has no color. Poverty has no preponderance uh, uh, relative to to particulars. But I tell you what. Uh, it's great that Al asked that question, specified that question, and that it gave it a bit more context. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.